you know, a man woke up one morning and he uh, got out of bed, did his daily routine and decided to go on with his life, his daily routine, his work habits, all those kind of things. But there was something unique about this man. This man did not take showers. He did not change his clothes. And he walked through life. And he didn't understand that as he walked through life, the aroma that exuded from him kind of affected the people around him. And he found himself all of a sudden kind of isolated. People didn't want to be around him. People treated him harshly. And he didn't understand what was going on. You see, he didn't understand, but, but years ago, back earlier in his life, he just made a choice. He made a choice to say, I am not going to change the clothes that I wear because I am comfortable in these clothes. These are my favorite clothes. There's no need to change them. And I am not going to take a shower. That's just like bothersome. I don't want to have to do that work. I'm just going to kind of walk through life and it's going to be fine. Things will be fine. Life will be fine. But he realized that life wasn't fine. He realized that, that nobody wanted to be around him. In fact, people would, would, would kind of make jokes at him all the time and they would give him looks and, and he just, he reacted in anger and, and, and bitterness and frustration and sadness until one day, one day, another guy decided to be bold. He decided to, to go up to him and to say, in all love and respect and honor, he said these words to this man. You stink. <laughs> that was all he said. But then he said, hey, can I, can I tell you why it might be a good thing to change your clothes every day? Can I tell you why it might be a, a good reason to get a shower at least every now and then? And he encouraged and he, he came alongside this gentleman and he kind of taught him what to do. And this gentleman who had, had made the choice way back in his life to, to not take a shower and not change clothes decided to make a different choice. He decided, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I can pick out some different clothes to wear. Maybe I can take a shower. And he realized that his life started changing. People wanted to be around him and he started finding joy and he found direction and he found purpose all because he changed his clothes and took a shower, right? This kind of sounds weird, doesn't it? Where are you going with this, Pastor Darrell? Here's where I'm going. This is what this five-week series is all about. It's about our relationships. We have so many relationships within our lives, our marriage, our family, our work relationships, our leisure relationships. And within those relationships, we have a choice. We have a choice to either choose selfishly what we want, when we want, how we want it, or we have a choice to choose selflessly, like Jesus demonstrated on the cross for us. But it's our choice. And as church leadership gathered recently and just thought, what are the needs of our people? We just felt a strong connection to speak on this subject for a time to encourage and equip us in this area. As a matter of fact, the objective within the next five weeks is this, to train and encourage all believers to be continually moving away from selfish habits towards selfless habits that bring about change in our thoughts, our words, and our actions in every relationship we have for the glory of God. That's where we want to go in the next five weeks. That's what we feel God has laid on our heart to impart to our church body in this time, in this season. And I can't even begin to imagine where you're at in your relationships. I can't begin, none of us can imagine, but God knows. He knows right where you're at. And he knows that if you're succeeding and doing well, he is patting you on the back saying, keep doing that job. And if you feel lost, if you feel alone, if you feel like I'm not sure what to do or where to turn, God knows that too. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to us in this way. In this way, he wants to speak to us. If you would, would you open your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3? 
We're going to briefly look at two verses, really simple, because in laying this foundation of this series on relationships, we just believe strongly in looking at this concept of taking off the old and putting on the new. Colossians 3, 9b, the second half of the verse, and verse 10 says this, Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, no, in knowledge of the image of its creator. It's simple. Paul wrote this letter to primarily Gentile Christians in the town of Colossa. And one of the things that these Christians struggled with was understanding the centrality and the importance of God and how he fit in our lives. So Paul in his letter decides to encourage his believers with very basic language. If you look at the Greek, the terms for take off and put on literally mean to take off the old stinky clothes that you wore during the day and to put on new, fresh, clean clothes. Knowing that we bear the image of our creator. And Paul uses some simple language simply to encourage us to take off the old and to put on the new. What does that mean? It means we have a choice. It means we have a choice every moment of every day. We make thousands of choices every day in our lives. And each one of those, we need to continually monitor and say, are we choosing in a selfish way? Are we making a decision in a way that, that gives me what I want, when I want it, how I want it? Or am I making a choice to say, you know what? I need to choose this way because this way is best for those I love. This is actually best for me. It's all about this taking off the old and putting on the new. You know, think of it like this. If you've ever gotten a tattoo and you want to remove that tattoo, there's a process. It's not just a once and done thing. There's multiple times you have to go in and visit the doctor to remove the tattoo. And it's painful. It's painful when you get a tattoo removed. It's kind of like that. When we are putting off the old self, putting off our sinful nature, it's painful sometimes to give up some of those sinful thoughts or practices or actions or words. But yet the benefit, the glory, the chance that we get to put a smile on God's face when we choose to put on the new self, to make a good choice, to make a selfless choice, just brings so much glory and honor to God. And when our identity is firmly rooted in our relationship with God, this around-the-clock choice, meaning it's a choice that never ends, we continually have to be making these choices to choose to be selfless, to choose to put away our old selfish self and choose in our relationships to put on the new self, the selfless self, when we make this around-the-clock choice to take off the old and put on the new, we will allow it, it will allow us to experience a deeper closeness in our relationship, in all of our relationships. But you know, this road is not easy. There are many issues that confront our relationships that have the potential for pain and hurt. You know, Ken and I were brainstorming some of these things that cause pain and hurt this week, and we came up with a little list. And we'd like to share that with you now. Just, just a couple of things. Again, this is not an exhaustive list, or we could be up here for weeks, right? So here's just a couple things to think about that kind of can cause pain or hurt in our relationships. Hey, thanks, Daryl. Um, first of all, you had me subtly sniffing my armpits. <laughs> Made sure I wasn't that guy in your story. <laughs> Secondly, we need to clear up, generally when Pastor Josh and I team teach, we dress alike. And we didn't quite get that accomplished today. You know, no, I mean. I had my khaki shorts laid out, and at the last minute I switched, so. Well, I'm going to choose to be selfless and forgive you, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Hey, seriously, we're not going to try to answer these issues, but there, there are so many things that are obstacles to our relationships. And, uh, 
you know, one of them that is a huge one, and I've seen it on tops of lists, is just finances and how we can struggle with how we spend money. And we can, you know, as we're single, kind of get away with what we want to, but will you bring a husband and wife together? And if their spending habits are different, that can add mm-hmm. a huge mm-hmm. layer of stress on a relationship. And so, um, man, it can be that thing that can just break down a marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one can be parenting or discipline. How many of us sometimes as husbands and wives look at our kids and we have one way of wanting to parent them and there's another way and we just kind of butt heads sometimes in how we parent it because we bring things that are into our marriage from our families, how we grew up. And sometimes it takes time and effort and, and hard conversations to sit down and talk about how we parent our kids because a husband and wife are a united team. And even how we discipline our kids, a husband and a wife are a united team. That is so important. If, if our kids aren't getting the same message from both parents, mm. they'll kind of work that to their advantage. Oh, yes. But oh, it, yes. it doesn't build a foundation of security. So it's so yeah. important parents are on the same page uh, in that area. And that they're communicating. Communication is a huge part of, mm-hmm. of any relationship. And, and sometimes over time, uh, we get a little bit afraid to just share our hearts uh, because it can be risky. It takes courageous steps. And we're going to be asking you to take courageous steps in communication in these coming weeks. And uh, it's such an important area uh, that we're definitely going to spend some more time on that. Mm-hmm. You know, another one is, uh, you know, even with our families, sometimes dealing with our extended families or in-laws. You know, again, you know, in a marriage, uh, husband and wife come together. They leave their mom and dad, their families, and come together. Yet in a marriage relationship, in a family relationship, there can be tension with extended family sometimes or with in-laws. So how do we do that? How do we navigate those relationships in a God-honoring way that puts a smile on his face? I think another area that a lot of couples struggle with is just the area of intimacy. And mm-hmm. boy, it's just because there can be breakdowns in the areas that we've already talked about and many other areas, walls can slowly build and uh, marriages can become sexless, uh, sex-free zones. And uh, boy, that can then just open the door for uh, all kinds of moral issues and infidelity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so many people struggle with building that intimacy of heart mm-hmm. and that physical intimacy. Absolutely. You know, and another one is uh, even the idea of unhealthy boundaries. You know, boundaries are good. You go up to a fence. Why? Because maybe there's something on the other side you shouldn't get into. But sometimes if we have unhealthy boundaries in our own lives and we maybe let people walk all over us or, or we are, maybe even we're unable to say no sometimes. And saying no is okay. That's all right sometimes. But those unhealthy boundaries can be a huge blockade, can be something that disrupts the relationships that we have. You know, especially in one of our most important relationships, our marriages. You know, if we enter into marriages with kind of these rose-colored glasses on, we are in for such a rude wake-up call. Amen. And we're going to be talking and focusing a little bit more on marriages today. And I'm moving to this side. I was like in out of sorts uh, when I got up here. It'd be like if Diane suddenly slept on the other side of the bed. It would just completely throw me off. But uh, I've readjusted, and things are feeling good. Just breathe. Okay. I think I started to say a little while ago, uh, there, today a lot of our focus is going to be on marriages, and uh, but the things that we talk about today, I think, can apply to any relationship. And if you're single, anything you can do to build healthy relationships and your friendships, the better you're preparing yourself uh, for marriage if God directs you that way. Hey, I came upon a quote by Carl Rogers, uh, uh, a pioneer in humanistic psychology. And he gave his view on the status of marriage back in 1973. And And this humanist psychologist said to me, it seems that we are living in an important and uncertain or an impotent and uncertain age. 
and the institution of marriage is most assuredly in an uncertain state. If 50 to 75% of Ford or General Motors cars completely fell apart within the early part of their lifetimes as automobiles, drastic steps would be taken. We have no such well-organized way of dealing with our social institutions, so people are groping more or less blindly to find alternatives to marriage, which is certainly less than 50% successful. Living together without marriage, living in communes, uh, new divorce laws, which do away with the concept of guilt, these are all groping towards some new form of man-woman relationship uh, for the future. Uh, it would take a bolder man than I to predict what will emerge, and so, Carl Rogers was not a Christian. In fact, he denounced Christianity, uh, but he sure was spot on in analyzing what marriages looked like back f almost 50 years ago, and, and we see many of those things uh, in, in our own lifetimes. And I, I want to emphasize again what Daryl said earlier. Man, if you're sitting here and you're struggling in your marriage, Believe me, you are not alone. Uh, marriage is a struggle, and there are so many obstacles that fight against us having healthy marriages. And, and it is so important that we deal with those things that we're struggling with before they become really big things in our lives. Uh, because when they become really big, it's so hard to, to, to reel those issues in and deal with them. And so we are going to be encouraging you through this series to to be having those difficult, courageous decisions that are required uh, for you to have a healthy marriage. But know that you are not alone and be willing to let other people know what you're dealing with. Uh, unfortunately, the exhilarating romantic dynamics that propel us into getting married often aren't enough to sustain our marriages long term. Uh, you know, our marriages, we, we really need a great cause to rally around. Um, and it, it, I was thinking of uh, Pastor David and I uh, several years ago. Was it a Monday night football game we went to in Philly? I think it was a Monday night game. And it was a big event, and we got there early. And, and we got into our seats, and there were good seats. And there was a you know, section of people around us that were complete strangers. And, and it was just amazing as that game went on. These people from all walks of life, we started to feel connected to them. And, and even those that were cheering for the other team after the Eagles beat them, up, uh, you know, we exchanged very cordial pleasantries as we said goodbye. Now, how can that be? How could a group of strangers come together and feel a closeness and a bond? Well, we had a common cause. You know, we were there for the same reason. And we also had a sense that we're kind of in something really special here on this Monday night. All great teams at some point, they have to come together. They have to rally around a common cause. They have to come together and unite it and, and, and recognize. And, and, and in sports, we see this in, in all sports that there are those teams that might not be as talented as other teams, but at some point in the season, they come together and they say, you know, our big goal's bigger than our personal goals, and, and we're going to pick each other up. And, and, and this cause is so great, it's worth sacrificing for. Now, we're going to look into here uh, in, in the next few minutes, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And God has given Christians who are married uh, just incredibly important, significant causes for, for their marriages. And, and it's so important that we see what those causes are, and we're willing as couples to focus on those great causes that we can unite, that, that we can go after together. You know, God intends for our marriages to be radically different than 
people who are married who aren't following Jesus. And, and just a quick warning to commit to the big causes God has given for your marriage will take extraordinary teamwork. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's not just going to happen, going with the flow. Uh, we're going to jump in at verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, and it says, And further, uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submit here refers to an action of voluntarily relinquishing our rights to another person. And we know that to give up our rights, though we joyfully sang, oh, it's my joy to give up my rights to you, God, but we've got to see that, that to give up our rights to God is honestly to give up our rights to each other. And that's a little harder to be joyful about sometimes day Today, it necessitates husbands and wives being willing to deal with pride, deal with selfishness, and, and instead choose humility and selflessness. In verse 18, just several verses prior to this one about submitting to one another out of reverence for God, there's a call for us to, as believers, to be not drunk with wine, not filled up and drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And, and the evidence that we see in relationships, the, the selflessness, the, the mutual submission are all evidence that we are actually filled with and controlled by the the Holy Spirit. It's the only way these things can really work out in the give and take of a relationship. You know, healthy spirit-led couples don't focus on being in the power seat or always grabbing for control. Instead, they submit to each other. They, they rally together to accomplish the big cause of honoring God, of reverencing God out of reverence for Christ, and, and that word reverence is a little light here. I mean, it, it actually, the, the word phobos actually means knee-knocking fear. And, and so in this case, a, a knee-knocking fear of Christ, Christ who is holy, Christ who is righteous, Christ who has standards, and Christ who we will someday stand before out of reverence for Christ, we are to submit to one another. And so I want to encourage you at this point to rally around this big cause. My marriage can shout to the world that Christ is worthy of reverence. And so as we go through the give and take, as we submit to each other, husband to wife, wife to husband, we are showing that God is actually worthy of our honor, of our reverence through our obedience. Because you reverence Christ, you choose to humbly submit to each other. And in the process, that points people to Jesus. It goes on in verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So first, it's like submit to each other. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what's that look like. For wives, it means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And as to the Lord is the ideal to please the Lord. Submit to your husbands. In the process of submitting to your husbands, you are actually pleasing the Lord. Uh, the quality of our relationship with Jesus is accurately portrayed in the dynamics of our marriages. It's easy to say, I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. It gives me joy to serve you. But, but the reality and quality of that relationship, man, is really tested and really revealed in, in our marriage relationships. Wives, you can't separate how you respond to your husband from the health of your relationship with Jesus. When you choose to voluntarily submit to God and you voluntarily submit to your imperfect husband, can I get an amen on that, women? <laughs> your incredibly imperfect husband what are you doing? You're reverencing and pleasing Christ, it says. And, and Jesus 
who was 100% God in every way, modeled submission to his father. <laughs> and throughout all the systems that God set up on this planet, there, there is a need of authorities and submission to those authorities at every level. And so as we see Jesus setting an example uh, of honoring his father and saying, I can't act without consulting my father. Your will be done, not my will. Uh, voluntary submission honors and reverences God. A little bit more in your next steps section, if you want to study that a little more. Uh, next steps number three uh, will take you into some good verses that show how Jesus models submission uh, as he lived his life on this earth. Dropping down to verse 25, so we're to be mutually uh, submitting to one another. Uh, this is what it looks like for wives. This is what it looks like for husbands. Uh, a lot more here about husbands. Uh, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for the church. We're husbands to love our wives with that same kind of love. And um, so clearly, as a husband, if we have made that determination, made that choice to follow Jesus and his example of loving sacrifice, and we'll talk more about that next week, if we choose to follow him and his example, then there's no limit on how much we're to love men. There's no limit to that, even at great sacrifice. The word love here, love your wives, is a love that means to value to see value in someone. I see you, I see value in you, and so I'm going to seek your highest good. You know, Jesus, again, set that example. He valued us, he saw us, he valued us, and then he loved us. He gave everything for us, for our best interests. He died for us. That's the kind of love we're being called upon to love our wives with. Our wives, men, should be better because they know us. <laughs> They should be better because they know us. We should be encouraging them to be all that God wants them to be. A wise older lady told me way, way back, uh, after 10 years of marriage, Ken, you will get exactly what you deserve. And, and that's all about saying, as we build into a nurture and love our wives the way Christ loved the church, our, our, lives, our wives are going to respond in ways that, that, that are a blessing back to us. And so in, in this area, rally around this big cause. Husbands, the way you love your wives can shout to the world how much Jesus loves them. And so as the world looks in on us and sees something very different in how we do relationships, it begins to point them toward Jesus, toward, yes, this is how I love my wife. How can you love your wife that way after she did this, after she did that, after she let you down here, or whatever it may be? And, 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 and by loving, as the world looks in, it points them to Jesus, that this is the way Jesus loves the church, and that's the way I love my wife, and that's the way Jesus loves you. And now down to verses 31 to 32. And it says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery. And that's not the sense it's a great mystery as you'll never discover. It's just this is a mystery that is really great. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And, and so, folks, our marriages have to be our top priority relationship. The, the union between a husband and a wife is greater in its union and in its bond, even greater than the bond between a parent and a child. Our priority relationship our primary focus 
can't be upon our children. It has to first and foremost be upon our wives, upon our husbands. Join to here uh, has the idea of, of being super glued to your spouse. Did, did you ever mess with super glue and get two fingers stuck together? They just don't come apart. And I, you know, I remember taking a knife and just losing a little skin as I cut two fingers apart. But, but that's the idea here of, of being joined together. It's the idea of being super glued, clinging to your spouse. And, and God intends for this joining to be permanent, to be something that, that we fight for, that we maintain, that we nurture. And, and here we see again, it, it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. And so God's purposes for the union between husbands and wives in, in the way we love each other is to illustrate how Christ purifies, how he protects, how he cares for his bride, how he cares for the church. Christ-centered marriages, as you say, I'm, we're going to fight for these big causes. We're going to fight for these big causes. And, and as we do that, marriage shouts to the world that, that a, a relationship with Jesus is really good, is really desirable, that it's worth fighting for. Our marriages, our marriages within the community of believers should attract people to want to know more about what is going on here. And there's a bonus in that, folks. As, as we have Christ-centered marriages, uh, it shouts to our children that, yes, marriage is a good thing. It is a desirable pursuit. And so rally around this big cause. My marriage can shout to the world, the close personal relationship they can have with Christ as Christ loved the church, as we love our wives, shouts to the world that they can have a loving personal relationship with Jesus. You know, our world is inundated with noise, with activity, with all kinds of things, and yet our world in so many ways is, is lonely and starving for intimacy and connection. And folks, so our marriages, as you think about what is important about this marriage, it's about so much more than Daryl and I figuring out, well, I just want to be happy and, and I want to have my needs met and, and, and I, I want to, you know, have, you know, fulfill that American romantic uh, dream. It's about so much more than that. There is so much on the line. And, and so, so our marriages are worth fighting for because the cause is so great. And, and real quick in review here, the big cause number one, our marriages can shout to the world that Christ is worthy of their reverence. Cause number two, it can shout to the world how much Jesus loves them. And, and big cause number three, it can shout to the world about the close personal relationship they can have with Jesus. And, and the bonus to to looking at the big cause and joining together and fighting for your marriage and making it better, the, 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 the big bonus that goes along with that is that as you do that, you will be drawn together in ever-deepening intimacy. And so as Daryl comes up here to tell us a story, I, I ask you, what is your marriage right now shouting to the world? What has your marriage been shouting to the world, and what is your marriage shouting to your children? Ken, you're absolutely right. I don't like standing on this side either. So I don't know where there is about it. <laughs> hey, you know, what does, what do our marriages shout to the world? You know, when we were, we were brainstorming and gathering and meeting this week, putting this together, <laughs> I feel that there was a story laid on my heart that I wanted to share with you. It's kind of a twisted story, though, so I want to make sure to set the context, because we are about honoring God. But husbands and their wives, like Christ in the church, this profound mystery 
the relationship between husbands and wives and the relationship between Christ and the church. Well, I want to share a story where Jesus is the husband in the marriage and the church is the wife, okay? So walk with me here. Jesus, Jesus is driving home from a rough day at work, rough day at the office. He was verbally beat up by his boss, ridiculed by his peers. He just wants to relax. The church has been busy all day with taking care of the kids and folding laundry and prepping dinner. You know, earlier that day, she got a chance to go out and connect with her church friends, and they all were in just one of those complain modes. They complained about their marriages, and they itched each other's ears with dreams of what could have been, maybe what should have been within their marriages. As Jesus pulls up to the house, he lets out a huge sigh. He enters into the chaos of kids being loud, the animals needing walked, the trash can is overflowing, and he simply just wants to plop down on his recliner, get out his phone and scroll up and down social media, see what his friends are doing, or he wants to get lost in his garage with his tools. Not very much is said throughout dinner and even the rest of the night between Jesus and the church. Even at bedtime, there are a few words that are exchanged as they both sit quietly in one living room, yet worlds apart, scrolling on their smartphones, wondering if marriage was supposed to be something more. Now you hear this story, and even as I hear it, I think to myself, whoa, stop. That is not what we know Jesus and the church to be. How could you say that? But you know what my aha moment was in my heart? My aha moment is that if our everyday marriages between two Jesus followers play out like this twisted story, then that is the image that we are giving to our children, to our families, and to our neighbors and our friends about who Jesus is and what his love for the church looks like and how the church is willing to submit and follow Jesus' lead. That's the image. I sit here and think to myself, Daryl, that's a twisted story. That's no way that's true. But if that's what our marriages are like, if we relate to any of that, then that's what the world is looking in saying, is that what Jesus and the church is about? I don't want any part of that. You know, one of the most profound things that I connected with recently at a marriage conference I went to was this. The speaker said, do your children look at your marriage? and they get excited for one day to be married? Or do they look at your marriage and they say, I don't ever want that? That was just deep. I mean, that cut deep into my heart. Marriage is one of the most difficult and blessed relationships that we can have. Other than our relationship with God, it's right up there in priority. And church, now is the time to share from your hearts. Now is the time to share from your hearts. Ken and I want to close by sharing with you just, just again, some brief beginning steps to, to fix or to strengthen your marriage at, at whatever stage you're at. And even, and I just feel a special message for young adults and our teenagers. We're talking about marriage and you're probably going, oh, I'm not there yet, but start learning today what you want to look for in a spouse. What's important? What's important for that kind of relationship that one day will be a relationship that mirrors Jesus and his love relationship with the church? We just have a... 
We just have a few moments here. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, you know, something we really want to do is just uh, leave you with a thought. Now is the time to share from your hearts. And, and it is so important that you guys are willing to dialogue. Uh, Daryl had come up with some questions that are on the back of the sermon guide. Every one of those is thought provoking. And we want to encourage you this week to begin working your way down through there. Let, let the husband pick one and then let the wife pick one and have those discussions. And, and we'd love to get to hear some of the things that you're processing next week. Uh, so we'll probably have an open mic time where you'll get to share, hey, this is something we talked about. And so be thinking about a 30 second or 60 mm -hmm. second clip that you could do. But, but communication is absolutely necessary if we're going to get healthy marriages and and so it just requires authenticity it's going to require you being open and honest being willing to drop the facade to be vulnerable and and then take that one step at a time of honest communication and you will see intimacy uh, begin to grow in your relationship mm. amen you know and guys let me just give you a real just practical tool right off the bat okay we are naturally fix-it guys are we not Okay, we're fix-it guys. We like to fix problems and move on. Our wives don't need that sometimes. Our wives just need us simply to use our ears and listen. They just want to know that we've listened and we've heard them. All right. Now, husbands, if you just got an elbow in the side, that was called a holy love tap. Okay. All right. <laughs> holy love tap for you guys. Okay. But honestly. This is something too. And these things, listen, they don't, they don't get fixed overnight. This is a lifelong process. This is a process of us becoming more like Jesus every day, making these choices. So guys, just, just work on that this week. You know, take a moment. If your wife needs to talk, somehow find it in your brain and heart to say, I'm not going to be in fix-it mode. I just want to listen. I want to hear what my, what my wife says. Amen. And uh, Daryl and I both realize there's no way we can cover everything that needs to be covered in a five-week series. Mm. And so some extra things that are going to be going on, uh, Tim Wangers graciously uh, agreed to bring some resources into the lobby, I think starting next week, mm -hmm. and uh, they, they'll be available for purchase. And uh, also... Uh, uh, Pastor Josh and his wife are going to be uh, doing a video series that's going to meet in the fellowship hall, second services, starting next week. And I'm hoping this is going to shatter our record for most videos on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. So here we go. Here's a little uh, blurb of what you can expect in that series. <laughs> Are you looking for a series that would revolutionize your relationship by improving your communication? We've got it. It's called Love Talk. Yeah, we really feel like we've kind of cracked the code on what it takes to have those kind of conversations that connect you, that make you feel understood and understand. Right. So in a very real sense, what we're about to teach you can help you build that emotional space. Right in your relationship. That's what we call love talk. As a marriage and family therapist, you're a clinical psychologist. We've been married for 34 years. We couldn't be more excited. This is really some new revolutionary thought about what can crack the code for couples and bring them closer together in their communication. He's very detail-oriented, I'm very bottom line, and in my mind I'm thinking that he's going to feel like I'm being insensitive. I'm so thankful that we're able to like, talk about the fact that we don't feel the same. I felt more affirmed because we were spending more time together. When it's all said and done, you know, we still love each other. Communication, it really is the lifeblood of your relationship, and our hope for you is that you would enjoy the kinds of conversations that you've up till now only dreamed of and bring our relationships to a whole new level. It's fun, it's practical, and most of all, it's going to bring the two of you closer together. Yeah, so we hope you enjoy Love Talk. A great opportunity to talk about communication with your spouse. So, so if you're married, go, raise your hand a second. If you're married, raise your hands. Okay. All right, good. So next week at 1045, if, if Ken and I are preaching to an empty room, we know you're all over at the marriage class, right? Okay. Pastor Josh and Laura are going to do a great job. You can sign up in the lobby for that um, today after service. We really encourage you to do so. And again, 
These questions on the back of the sermon guide, they're awesome. So your homework for this week is simply this. Take some time, find a moment where you can sit down with your spouse, whatever age and stage you're in, and look at those questions. And look at those questions and have some honest conversation that will take courage because God wants to do amazing things with you. You're not alone. God is with you. He wants the best for you. And we simply just want to put a smile on his face. So worship team, as you guys come forward, we want to close our service with a beautiful song of just reminding ourselves how we want to be more like Jesus, more like Jesus. So church, would you bow your heads, close with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much that we have an opportunity to continue to model you, model your love that you have for the church through our marriages. And Lord, we know that marriages in today's world here in 2022 are just being put through the pressure cooker. Lord, there are things that, that, that marriages are dealing with that, that we don't even know about. There might be husbands and wives here in this room that are just feeling completely alone. And God, I pray that they would take the courageous steps to say, it's okay to get help. I want to get help because I want to be better because I love my spouse. And Lord, if there are relationships where, oh my goodness, if there is fear and if there is physical harm, Lord, provide safety within that relationship. If someone needs to leave, Lord, safety is our utmost concern. And God, I pray that we can just be modeling marriages that are showing a true picture of you and the church for our children, for our young adults, Lord, for those that desire to get married one day. And Lord, that we are lights, that we, we live for you for a cause, for a greater cause than just happily ever after. So God, help us today to take steps of obedience to honor you and put a smile on your face. Lord, help us to be more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, would you, would you stand together as we sing to the Lord?
Church, we are not meant to be loners on an island by ourselves. We are meant to be in relationship with God. We're meant to be in relationship with other. And in all of our relationships, we have choices every day to be selfish or to be selfless. So continue thinking about that. Let God speak to you this week as you think on these things. Husbands and wives, spouses, take some time. Please go through some of those questions on the sermon guide. If you're watching online, you can find that sermon guide in the description of the video. So church, be blessed. Be a blessing to others. As you walk out, make sure to sign up for the marriage class and pick up some OCC boxes and True Life bags. And we'll see you next week as we continue to talk about relationships. Church, have a blessed day. You're dismissed. <laughs>